Greetings. This is Atma Boda. Today is April 5th, 2022. And this is our first video podcast on the YouTube channel. And I am happy to introduce, we have on our left, Ananda, which is the wife. Oh gosh, I'm already screwing this up, aren't I? (laughs) And Hanjo. Hanjo and Ananda, greetings. Hello. Thanks for having us. Excellent. So, so just to introduce you, Hanjo, I know you've got a background with doing some mystical things and superpowers like being able to see energies and chakras and also a background with uh, formerly channeling raw. Do, is there anything else you want to introduce about yourself? Yeah. I would say that I am um, the primary thing that I'm interested in and I'm trying to create more of is the self-recognition that we are uh, unique and also one with everything and also able to be in bliss and happiness all the time with no suffering. And that's something that I have myself. And the way that you come into it is through discovering your own unique perfection exactly as it already is in yourself through the gentle movement of understanding into what reality is. And eventually you realize that reality is yourself. Other than that, I do a lot of energy work and yeah, I used to channel, but after coming into harmonious balance in myself, it started feeling a little unbalancing. And the Ra agreed with me when I channeled him. So I stopped channeling. Okay, excellent. Well, you guys are looking great together. And I understand this is your your first video appearance as a guest on a podcast too. So I'm honored to be a host of that. That's awesome. And (laughs) sure, sure. (laughs) And Ananda, you are a you've got background in shamanism, and you have. I'll let you speak and introduce yourself. Yeah, um, I am a shamanic healer, and I work across the spectrum of magic. Um, everything from like chaos magic. Well, I'm primarily using chaos as a methodology, but then I'm doing like earth based and material witchcrafts as well, um, and all of it towards like healing myself, healing each other, healing the earth, um, and all of it with the undergirding uh, realization of emptiness, which allows us to reposition sort of like how we experience reality and what like slice we're looking at and who we're in communion with when as like a very modal uh, distributed network of being. Excellent. And for those who are unfamiliar with what is shamanism or animism, could you share and yeah, us a little bit? Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. So um, shamanism is a way of being with the world that recognizes that the world is alive and made of both material and spirit. 
Um, in shamanism, there are three main portals that you're engaged through. There's the lower world, which is like the world of the animals, the animal bodies and animal medicines and rocks and minerals. There's the middle world where we find ourselves now and where we also find um, uh, suffering spirits. And then there's the upper world where you can connect with deity, celestial energies, higher, higher beings. Um, the primary technology is journeying. In journeying, you uh, go inward to go outward and um, you connect in through yourself to the core of the world tree, which can be pretty much, it doesn't have to physically be a tree, but like holes that descend into the earth, caves, like uh, whatever metaphor your body brings to you, you move down through through your heart into the earth. And from that place of connection, you're able to open and receive healing from different spirits and animals, their wisdom, their messages. Um, I connect a lot to different species who have messages for us in this current epoch where their lives are a bit difficult. <laughs> All right, cool. And, and whereabouts are you guys geographically right now? Remind me. Albuquerque, New Mexico right now. And we're looking to go to Mexico real soon. Excellent. Yeah. New Mexico is a, an awesome place. Definitely. They've got some great houses and real estate market out there right now too. Isn't it? And Taos, I've been there. I was really impressed with the earth ships that are made up like these tires and yeah, that's real. Yeah. Those next, are fantastic. We're going to be going up to Taos next. Go to Taos and then we're going to try and, well, we're going to build a community in Mexico at the back. Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, that sounds that sounds fun. We can cover that a, a little bit later. And sure. Yeah, awesome. Hmm. So, what would you say impresses you the most in terms of your purpose? I know you're building this community, but is there some underlying thing that motivates both of you? Would you say? Yeah, it's crystallizing every being into their unique signature for the benefit of all beings is what like jazz is both of us. Like we like to help people uncover what's in their heart and what their potential is and what like the what their part in the cosmic song is, right? Like they're they're here to improvise with the rest of reality. And it's just like helping them to like remove the occlusion from their eyes, open their awareness into their bliss and move towards it. And that like makes them into their own perfect expression of their being, which then becomes radiant, which then helps crystallize other nodes. And that, you know, heals the earth, benefits all of us, is a joyful expression of living. Excellent. What, and and what, what about you, Hondro? Do you have any, anything to add to that? Yeah. Um... What we see across Earth and the universe is all these different levels of being that are all interrelating with each other with their own perfect purpose and vision and unique qualities that are exactly them and can't be anyone else. And what I see in the evolution of consciousness is those beings at every scale, like even companies and even larger entities recognizing in themselves that they are inherently already moving in the harmonious movement of the universe. And by recognizing that 
recognizing that they are sort of like this perfect puzzle piece for everything to unfold from. And as they move into that like beautiful dance with what is coming into their own bliss and freedom as a result. Excellent, excellent. And yeah, I, I don't want this to come across like me interviewing you guys. I want it to be like two way and we can like, yeah. you know, flow and and you guys f- feel free to also, you know. Uh, yeah. So Atma, what, what's your bliss? What, what, what about what you're doing makes your heart sing and is like extra special and important and exciting about it? That's a great question. And it, the great thing is, is that I don't actually feel like I need to do anything. It's like, it's always, it's always here and it's, how do I say, but yeah, the ultimate, the absolute, the, uh, maybe uh, he told you about how it started for me about two years ago and I crossed, well, by the grace of the absolute that this threshold was crossed. And, and ever since then, it's like every moment has been bliss. It's, it's been uninterruptible for me. Mm. So um, it's like the mind, once it's become, once it reaches a certain state of illumination, it's like nothing can interrupt it anymore. It's like you, nothing in the mind can be interrupted when it comes to bliss. However, through the heart and empathy, you ha- you still have some vulnerability there because that's through empathy is how you can connect with others. And you can still, you're not like a sociopath where you're disconnected. Where it's like, oh, everything's all bliss. I can't feel pain anymore. It's like, no, you still have a heart. You still can connect to others via empathy. But the difference is, is that you can choose what you want to feel, right? You you don't have to have the ups and downs of life anymore. You don't need to grieve or to get angry or to, you know, have these other negative um, human emotions. I wouldn't even call them human emotions actually, because I think that next level of human, it's, that's not next level human. That's it's that these other emotions that, that people have right now and there's a lot of suffering right now in society of course and i'm not denying that but but it's not necessarily authentic Mm. right it's not really yeah it's not really who they are because we are living in a multiverse where it's a multi-dimensional um space right we get to choose what we perceive we get to choose how we respond to it we get to choose how we participate in it in the multiverse where it's diffracting into all of those possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in the Bible, and I, I, I don't want to quote the Bible too much because, but, but there's some truth in there and that is, and that is it. We struggle with more than flesh and blood, you know, it's, there's more mm. unseen influences that people are unaware of. Yeah. So that's a lot of a lot of what I notice in people's suffering, like there's the level where um, there's always choice. Right. And then there's the level where through non-discernment, through occluded vision, they're in contact with things that have a negative energy drain on them that are sticky to their being, even though they're not like native to their expression. It's somebody else's energy. It's an entity. It's um, 
or it's the choosing to relate to sorrow as suffering, right? And to relate to hardship as suffering when it's like we can have these experiences without having the attachment emotion inside of them. And then of course I notice how much all of this is related to like the fear of death, which is really just like the turning of a page. Mm -hmm. And if you can't relate to death as that movement, then there is a lot to fear there. There's a lot of uncertainty there. And uh, it's uncertain for me too, but it's a beautiful, exciting, adventurous uncertainty. It does, doesn't have any like. Yeah, well, death is a very interesting yeah. topic. <laughs> and I may, I don't know if I told Hanja this before, but but something I've been saying recently is like, we're all deep undercover gods that are suffering from amnesia and they're thrown onto this planet. And it's like with no guidebook, no rule book. And uh, if oh, have yes. to navigate their way back. And it's like the ultimate challenge in a way. And it's yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the, these other negative influences, they're kind of like drill sergeants in officer candidate school. It's like they give you a hard time while you're going through the process, but once you graduate, they salute you. Mm. That's fun. I like that. Mm. What yeah. I've um what I found in my experience is that um it's with the death and the fear. It's like when whenever there's a mystery and there's a silence and there's a unknown, that when that isn't filled with beauty, peace, and bliss, um it can be filled with you know fear and uh negative negative energies. Um and it's sort of that switch where you move from understanding that the mystery is part of the dance that you're here for and part of a beautiful, harmonious reality that is just bringing you more into itself, um, even if it may seem another way. And then it's kind of like silence and death and the mystery is like the perfect place for projection. So when you find yourself seeing those things as negative you can find in yourself where that's coming from and relieve yourself of that connection well the most amazing thing to me about death is that it doesn't really exist <laughs> it's like this this joke this troll by the universe that say oh yeah. you know but it's 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 not real it's like this waking world that we live in is is like the dream but right. you're just it, waking up from the dream yeah we're not mortal so, beings there's this beautiful uh quote from carlo rovelli who wrote the arrow of time that time is the misapprehension of total data in the system and this is where i think that like god real the god realization of ourselves as stranded here with the veil is right there we're like oh all of this illusion is just because I don't have all of the information, all of the information that makes me all of the information that everything is constituted out of. And then as soon as you have uh, awareness of that perspective, right? Like then um, all of the transitions are just that where it's just like, you know, it, it's putting on a different garment to wear instead of like, you know, I'm, I'm putting on this yellow shirt to interface with the me with this blue and orange one to interface with the me with this pink one on. 
It's all good. Yeah. <sighs> so, um, you guys been so 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 Hanjo, you're not originally from Albuquerque. Uh, where where if I'm, where are you from originally? If I'm out of curiosity. I'm from the UK. Um, but you don't sound British little... to me. I mean, <laughs> why is <People> that? that. <laughs> I spend so much time um, online. So I was a digital hermit for like eight years until I got enlightened, came to a realization where my suffering ceased in a big way. Um, and then from then on, I was like, wait, I want to be outside and with people and, you know, tell them about this beautiful thing that is reality. So I spent all this time online talking to Americans and my accent has slowly become something unique that no one can bless. <laughs> cool, cool. And, and how about how about you, Ananda? Are, are you from Albuquerque? No, I'm originally from uh, Massachusetts. Oh, all right. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was born in, uh, in Downey, California, L.A. County. Yeah, that's my mm. so I'm a Californian. But yeah, it's all yeah. I can see that. I can, I can see, see it in it. California. Yeah. yeah. I can see it. <laughs> okay, but now I've been in China for a while. So, but yeah, everything is all connected worldwide now with the internet and makes everything makes the world so much smaller. Yes. Yeah. It's both amazing to be able to have connection of the caliber that we're able to make now. And also like so tragic because you can't like go give your friend a hug, you know? <laughs> oh, we can give virtual hugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually what's great about too with spirituality and stuff is, is space and time are like they're illusionary, right? So it's like, we're not really apart yeah it's like oh there we go we can give digital hugs we can give astral hugs <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's all good yeah cool so how about you guys you, you guys have any more any more questions or something that you guys feel called do you want to talk about hmm. i'm curious how everything unfolded for you Anna. how did you end up in china teaching english were you uh, there when you had the threshold crossover what what crossover what was that the threshold crossover yeah yeah no that two years ago i was in i was in china and mm. and actually i've been in china probably for close to 10 years now which is terrible because i don't speak chinese so it's like i've got no excuse for i mean i can speak some chinese but it's it's not really enough to justify the 10 years. I, I didn't expect to be here so long, actually. But, but what brought me here, that's a whole other topic. It's like pre-crossing the threshold and then after like two different, different worlds. Yeah, it's like, it's like you're reborn, like the phoenix. It's like, it's like a, literally a new, a new beginning. It's... Yeah, it's it's like the the life you had before is like a shadow of of who you are, and then and who how you're defined is measured not only by this life but also 
also a function of what happened prior to this life, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because it's like when I look back at who I was before, it's um, I can see the ways in which I was trying to do the thing that I am, but like there is so much grit and friction and confusion and non-discernment. And um, with the awareness, well, like, as I became more aware overall and working with past lives and that sort of stuff, you start to see like the thread of continuity because now you're like, oh, we're in the karma of resolving the cycle and we're like working with this pattern and this pattern for like the whole of the universe. Um, but then like, yeah, after um, coming into my own, my first realization, it was very like, oh, like, I have this clear sense of how to move as the being I am now. And I also have a clearer awareness that I can't stay with these things that like have this feeling to them anymore. Mm. How about you guys? How, how did you guys start? Uh, or what would you say is been the, a culminating moment for you in terms of you've um, a major shift happened in your life when it comes to realizing your deeper identity for me um i was i spent about seven years um kind of sort of trying to get some kind of realization um and for me it was it was largely on autopilot. So I would be every single day, I wouldn't really meditate, but I would get a bunch of insights. Um, and I'd be shifting into more recognition that there isn't a self. Um, and then I was lying on my bed and I was kind of depressed. Well, I was depressed. And I was like, why do anything? And I was like, wait, why not do anything? Wait, that has the same answer as why do anything? It's like the same. So then I was like, oh, I have like this total ability to do anything that I want. Because um, I have this total neutrality and desire, which I thought was a block before, but I realized was a path actually. Um, and then in that recognition, I was like, I want to get enlightened. That's like what I've always kind of been up to. And I'm, I'm serious about it now. And I started doing vows to be fully enlightened as soon as possible for the benefit of all beings. And then six months later, I had my first big uh, crossing over of a threshold where um, all of this overt and like hard suffering all became soft. And it was like 99% of the pain in my experience disappeared. Um, and that was about a year and a half ago now. And since then, all of the suffering has disappeared, even the teensy little bits of grit. Um, and I've also come into the recognition of myself as Buddha, which is like this, the thing that you said too, where it's like the person before that and the person after that, I just completely different. I just don't, it, all of the things that I wrote before that, I'm like, I don't, it just doesn't connect in the same way. Um, and with that with that crossing over was like the entry into bliss and peace all the time if i may ask I've been, oh, yeah. uh, sorry, sorry uh, go ahead i, I don't mean i to was about to finish 
Okay. <laughs> but, but if I, but if I may ask, um, what method did you use or did you find helpful to, to, to make th that crossing? The crossing into Buddhahood? Sure. Um, what I have always tried to do is keep an air out for when the universe wants to tell me that there's more reality available to move into and become myself. So all I did, I would say, is gradually attune to the recognition that that could just be available in my experience whenever I wanted it to and open up as much as I could into that availability. And then what I experienced was it became a, a portal opened and I went through and Buddhahood was on the other side. Was it a method or just you were closing your eyes and you saw a portal open up? Um, for me, it's always sort of this kind of awareness that things are ready to speak to me and tell me the truth. Um, and the way that unfolds in my experience is um, inquiry into things that are untruths. So there's a lot of like, well, what's that? Well, what's that? Uh, is that? I'm not is that, that reality. Almost like, is that is that reality? I don't know. Like, how does that how does that fit in with this like sense I have of what reality is? Well, it doesn't really fit in, so that's gone. Um, and at the time, I was um, I was smoking weed. Me and weed were participating together in my reality um, as spirits co-creating an experience. And I um, was looking at a Tibetan Buddhist thanka. And then the thanka became sort of from the 2D plane into the 3D plane. Um, and then I saw that there were two portals and I was just moving sort of through the thanka um, as myself until I found the perfect Buddhahood and merged into it. When you say thanka, um, what do you mean by that? So I'll grab it. I'll grab it. <clears throat> sure. Yeah, traditionally these are painted on fabric and they're a traditional Tibetan Buddhist uh, representation and they're usually cosmological. This one's life of Buddha. So this became my reality and then I passed through it. Um, Interesting. So basically- that's always kind it, of been the way it's been for me. So it's, it's like you stare at it until you completely immerse your consciousness into it and it becomes. Yeah. Okay, cool. And that's I, very much what like Hanja sort of like naturally partnered into the stream of um, what Tibetan uh, daily embodiments meditation is like, which is like you, everything in their art has like complete uh, immersive symbolism. And when you move into the immersive symbolism, now you know what it means to have six arms and what it means to hold the conch shell in your third left arm and what it means to, you know, hold the flail in your right arm and all these other things. And that like 
immersive practice of being with the deity is a transmission of their being. And mm. uh, yeah, and Hanja just sort of like, that's a stream that exists in reality that people have been participating in for thousands of years. And he just sort of went like, whoop. <laughs> um, I really want to clarify that for me, I find the idea that I'm able to do something um, not, not really substantive and the idea that other things happen to me not substantive either. Mm. And that's why I'm trying to articulate into this idea of like just being open and allowing reality to speak to itself for me. And through that speaking, um, move into deeper relationship with itself. Because for me, I definitely didn't have any intention. I wasn't like, I'm going to look at this thanker. And I don't think the thanker was like, I'm going to look at Hanjo. I feel like it was just sort of this reality speaking to itself, coming into deeper relationship to itself. And I feel like if I look back across, that's always what's been happening for me. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's special. Yeah. And how, how about you, Ananda? Um, yeah, so I um, moved academically primarily. So like I started in psychology and then sort of kept getting pushed deeper into the fringes of what was capable in that space. So I moved from like clinical psychology to psychodrama and voice and music therapy, and then from voice and music therapy into eco-psychology and then from eco-psychology into like uh, earth-based education and earth liberation and like animism, which then became shamanism. And a big part of my study in this area was this thing that's primary to shamanism about like sliding your consciousness around. In new materialism, they use the quantum uh, experiment where you have the apparatus that records the data and where you place the apparatus tells you like changes the reality that you're capable of observing. So I was doing a lot of work with this idea of the apparatus. And like I was saying earlier as the shaman, yes. Um, and so just as an example, it's like Ananda would see the tree, move the apparatus of being to the tree. Then she has an experience as tree consciousness, like with the roots, like the tree body. Yeah, aging um, over hundreds of years, tree, mountain, earth, magnetic field, like all the way down, all the way up, this really stretchy experience. When I met Hanjo, he was like, how do you have, like he was observing energetically my crown and he was basically like, you have the most crown contact without having like a clear crown that I've ever seen. And um, it was like this huge ball of energy was here and like, just like waiting for permission to just, just like nectar to just flow through. Yeah. So part of it was like, I, I connected into the crown energy and that removed one layer of illusion in my awareness. Um, another one, I had a journey that then I real like, I realized I was the quantum spider and that was removed like another layer of illusion. And then the final one that has been so impactful that uh, really changed everything was like, so I've been working with this apparatus model and Hanja has been looking for how to articulate a way into enlightenment that is related to my experience and my movement in the world. And we realized that what I needed to do was dismember, take apart the apparatus. And so just like go from like, oh, I can reposition this anywhere to, oh, there is no perspective from which I'm perceiving and as soon as that was done it was like oh and it was like 
um, I'm the I'm the web, I'm the dewdrop, I'm the all of it, and I the motility across things became optional, and the being here and having anything here was optional, and that movement into optionality was like, oh, this is like that release of suffering. This is a liberation. Yeah, I, I have. Um, well, thank you for sharing yeah. that. I, um, sorry to interrupt. I'll, I'll ask a quick question about that. Yeah. Um, when you say that there was no observer or you, you, there, no apparatus, or are you saying that there's no observer at all? Or what, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So it's like um, I was up in a higher level of awareness that allows things to move across through the positioning of this observing piece. And I removed the observing piece and then there's just the vision itself moving itself. Mm. Beautiful. Okay. All right, well, just to, just to add to that, cause I, I've got a slightly uh, nuanced spin on, to, on, on that because it, individuality itself, as far as the concept of individuality I always regard that there is always an observer and, it, and, and being the observer is not bad. It's just being a limited observer is, is not uh, ideal. Right. So it's, it's like, in, it, because to say that there is no observer, that's almost like saying that you don't exist or that you don't have a perspective or that there is well, no. So what became, what happens? Yeah. <laughs> if go you ahead. don't mind, yeah, what yeah, happens ahead. is that it moves from being like locked in this position mm. or being selectively chosen to be in another position to being in the appropriate position for the move for the moment automatically with optionality is sort of what I would say, because like, um, like a yeah, the crux of experience, fluid, fluid mind. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because like the crux of experience, you're absolutely right, is having an observable position. Like it's why the universe diffracted so that it could observe itself. There, mm. the oneness that's before the diffraction has no need to like be. It, we we are incarnate to be this perspective of these things, but to like like you said, open into that higher awareness of who and what we are. Yeah, as this like. Awesome. I, 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 I just want to clarify that one point because it just, a, mm -hmm. yeah. but, but go ahead, Hanja, you were going to say something. Um, I was going to say that just in relationship to Ananda's story and how she moves through experience is this um, like its connection to the spider, which is this um, dismembering entity that, you know, can rip, things apart into universal consciousness you know you get rid of all everything like you said elimination eliminate everything through the dismemberment pulling it apart and then all that's left is 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 the cosmic consciousness um and also like this sensitivity to the to the web like the spider knows itself as the web um so i just wanted to like link in the spider thing with the enlightenment realization for Ananda because that's really like for her like she was the spider and she dismembered the observer you know so it's like even though there is this commonality across the mysticism like you said it's also individual we're all individual yeah, and yeah, we, yeah, can, sure, we sure. can find the common thread and it's also 
it's also completely unique to each of us. And this is something that he and, that Hunter and I have been working on articulating lately is sort of this recognition that like um, your realization is the realization that the universe is working on right now. Like, like the whole force of everything is rooting for everybody in that moment to have their own particular unique realization to bring home to them. Yeah. And, and there's no set order that things have to happen. And it's like everyone mm-hmm. can be a unique individual. You know, they don't have to follow like step one, step two, step three, step four, because somebody might need to do step four first before they do step yeah. one. Or, you know, it's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And uh, no, no, it's all about the individual. That's what I'm about. That's, that's what I'm about defending, actually. You know, groups don't need defending. Uh, and uh, that mm. might be controversial and i've talked about this before but it's like you know there's the collective consciousness of course but then there's the absolute which is even higher than the collective consciousness and attuning in just to the collective consciousness that's not going to bring you to complete enlightenment because it, enlightenment is a individual process where you as an individual have that very uh, personal rela- relationship and and there is a trend these days where some circles they're becoming more impersonal as opposed to being personal and and they're becoming more ideological as opposed to having more freedom and there's kind of a a balance that not 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 balance but i'm saying is that there's a difference between collectivism and individualism and liberty versus tyranny and when we are about the group, we're not ab- about the individual. It's, it's So here, here's a thing yeah. that I would add here is that I actually think strong individuals are the only people capable of harmoniously participating in groups and systems because groups and systems can't be formed from the top down, they're formed emergently. So it's like based mm. on the movement of our collective power and so when we have um, our own self, our discernment, our clarity, our need, our, our, our movement as and with the universe clear, now we can participate with other individuals. And what we create is an emergent facet that is uh, bigger, more capable, has its own intelligence, all of these other things, but it doesn't need to be defended and it's not homogenizing in any way because it's not trying to make us all the same because we're under this group label. Instead, it's like the thing that is birthed from our capacity to cooperate in our own power. Well, I agree with you 100%, 100% for yeah. sure. That's very insightful of you. You, you picked yourself a winner there, Hanjo. <laughs> yeah, we picked each other. It, it seems like, uh, well, you know, we were... This was our lifetime to come back together. We spent a little lifetimes apart, it seems. Yeah. Excellent. Um, yeah. Be, uh, just to add to what you just said there, yeah, I agree 100%. Because it's, it's only when we can fully be an individual that we can connect on a group level more effectively. And then we're, we're not letting the group dictate to us but we're able to represent ourselves within the group so that it's a group of leaders as opposed to followers because that's a big thing about cults and that's some cults are not what i'm about at all i don't personally i mean i'm not looking to be a cult leader and i don't want you know i'm not looking for followers for me it's about 
leaders, right? For me, that's yeah. that's who I want to be close to. That's that's who I want my friends to be are our leaders and leaders that not only um, they're leaders, but they help me be a better leader. And I help them be a better leader. It's like reflecting each other Two two mirrors when they come together, what do you have infinity? Right. So. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I like to be surrounded by people who are uh, invested in their own healing and liberation and like being their path. And like, when that happens, like as a bunch of individuals, like change just occurs. Like it just like the, the resonance that unfolds from there and what's possible just amplifies and it becomes so beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I've got a question for you, Ananda, you being a woman, what do you think about feminism? Um, so I come from a scholarly background, which includes study of feminism. And what I think is that feminism as a theoretical lens is just as useful as any other the theoretical lens, which means both very powerful and very limited. Um, and I think that some of the most amazing work that's been created is under that heading. And then I think that um, just like everything that's radical and theoretical and interesting, it gets defanged by society co-opted and mobilized to do harm. So right now we have this liberalized feminism that moves in the world, which is not interested in the divine liberation of women, but in making women like men and making, uh, it's the same thing across all of the, these isms where it's like, let's get more women and black people in the boardroom. And that's like, not the healing solution of the earth. The healing solution of the earth is like, what is our unique, beautiful expression that wants to come out? What do we have energetically to offer to this polarized patriarchal society? Because that's the thing is like our society is overbalanced in masculine energy in a way that's really deleterious to everything, right? It's just like complete drive, like it's an arrow. We go, go, go. There's no stopping. And we um, would you say the masculine energy is also in the women? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It is. And that's like a big part of what the liberal feminism is doing, right? Is saying like, you're a successful woman, not by, again, just embodying who and what you are. Yeah. And the thing is that like all bodies, all people want to have an integration of these polarities. We want to be able to use the masculine and the feminine as appropriate across our being across different scenarios. Um, but like, there are not appropriate containers for feminine energy to exist in. There's not a enough relaxation there's not enough ease there's not enough like beauty and enjoyment of like just things that are graceful and gracious and um if you look at cultures that still have um a key like a a, a root of their indigeneity you can see a lot more of that where it's like oh there's space here for this different way of being and in that everyone's much happier and so there's sort of this moment right now where um feminism has been like eaten by the monster that eats everything and um, everything that's being applied is trying to suck everything back into that monster itself. And um, there's so many layers here because there's also like, um, we can't be afraid to talk to people who are using specific labels because what it means to them in their encounter experience might be different than the way that we've experienced someone else using that label. And this is like 
a point that I've always made is like, um, have you had scholarly contact with what feminism is or have you had like a argument on Tumblr that like where you got bullied? And mm. there are a lot of bullies who have ideological positions. This is the thing that's happening with the earth, right? Is like uh, people recognize a change critically that needs to happen, but then they um, use that ideology to bully people. And it's just all like control, 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 control. And there's no space for like, for liberation, for the individual, for like, the actual churn that needs to take place in order to have healing and integration across these things. And instead there's like this expectation of new behavior that if you can't conform to, you'll be socially in trouble in these spaces. Uh, well, you're well said. And, and to add to that, I'd love to hear your perspective on femininity. Yeah. Um, there is so much power in being feminine right now, and that's in regardless of your gender, there's so much power in being feminine right now. And it's somewhat because it's confronting to society, but it also has to be like feminine from the heart and not feminine, like feminine, all of these earth expressions, whether they're feminine or masculine that are grounded primarily in the lower chakras, are um, getting like topped off in the solar plexus around the space of control, men controlling women, women controlling men, uh, people using sexuality to manipulate each other. And that's sort of like the debased expression of all of this stuff. But if your femininity is radiating, radiating from the heart, it's a healing presence for people to be around. It's um, confronting sometimes for people because it seems like it's not allowed or there's not space for it, but it like um, is also giving permission to others to adopt this blueprint that has more luxurious space in it, more gentleness, more uh, softness, more- More beauty, love. More love. Yeah. And men love feminine women more than they love masculine women usually. I mean, mm. with exceptions, of course, there's always exceptions. I think all individuals are looking for what balances inside themselves, right? So like there's a 10, it, feminine men, masculine women often find each other and are doing healing work in this lifetime together that way. <laughs> yeah. I feel yeah. like there is just a fundamental need across culture right now for the divine feminine to come into people's bodies and express itself through them. And being open to that not only heals you, but makes you a healing presence for everyone else as well. All right. Yeah, that's well said. Beautiful. Mm. Mm. And uh, mm. yeah, some, some of these topics can be a bit, can be a bit thorny, but um, let's see. Let's let's shift a little bit. You have a great ability, um, Mister, about being able to see energies. I was really impressed with with your chakra work. Not only are you able to see them, but you're able to manip manip manipulate them to a degree, or to at least help to clear out energy blockages somehow. I'm I'm curious that uh, to how that is, how you got, I mean, the superpower you got, <laughs> it's pretty cool. For me, it's been an unfolding and it's been over years. And I started off with none of that and I came into all of it. 
and at the place that I'm in now is a, it's like a seventh sense um, where I'm just able to sense energy as energy itself. Um, so it doesn't even really interplay anymore with the other senses. Like I'm seeing it and I'm sometimes sensing it. I'm sometimes feeling it, but really, yeah, I'd say I sense it mostly as, as itself. And, you know, the same way you can't tell someone who is born blind what seeing is like, you can't tell someone what energy is like when you're, when you have it as an extra sense. And once you have it as an extra sense in the way that I do, um, it speaks to me the same way that my other senses speak to me. And often I see someone and, you know, their heart is speaking or their third eye is speaking. And just by, you know, moving it in whatever way once it wants to be moved, um, there's a healing and a transformation and a change. And I think it's just that earth consciousness isn't aware of this extra force um generally and you know so people get a lot, a lot of chalked up you know it's it's like if you're not a, if you weren't aware of your body then you would make your your body would become really unhealthy like when you're unconscious in your body your body gets unhealthy and when you're unconscious in your energy body your energy body gets unhealthy so with the gift of being able to be aware and be conscious of energy as the force that it is moving through the universe um i'm able to help people just by bringing their consciousness to it as well, or by just bringing my consciousness to it, which is kind of the same thing. Fascinating. So, so you don't really see so much like the colors, but it's more of like an energetic feeling that you can sense it that way. Yeah. It's like, um, it's very fine grained. So just think about how fine grained your sight is. It's like, you're not only ever seeing like the the thing that you're focusing on, you're always seeing the whole thing. It's like, you're always seeing every little detail of everything. Um, you know, when you have the, the clarity of vision and in the same way, there's this precision and detail where I'm just receiving everything to do with energy, but not as a separation as part of what experience is. And in that reception, there is the, ability to move with it in all situations. So um, the way that Ra put it is that my energy body is crystallized. So like each chakra is, has found its own perfect expression of itself. And then when it, in, in the same way that, you know, I became a Buddha, it's like my chakras became Buddhas too. And then it's almost like they're doing it themselves in a way. Mm. I know that there's some talk on this and there's some criticism also, like maybe some people are using these buzzwords and they really don't know what they're talking about. And they're just, you know, going through the motions. It's sometimes it's hard to tell who's legit and who's not legit. I mean, I know you're legit because I've, been, <laughs> but um, what would you say is a good way of, of finding out how, if somebody is, is for real or not? So I think that the most important thing is that you have a compatibility with the other person and that you're both moving in integrity of consent and awareness of what's occurring. Um, so what can happen with practitioners who intend to move energy without a depth of ethical clarity or an awareness that they are all beings 
is that they can force their energetic awareness on someone else. And then it becomes something negative, not positive. Um, whenever there's a force or there's a mix up in consent. So I think that the question rather than who's the JIT is who am I able to move into co-creation with, with my energy such that um, we're both moving forward on our own paths into discovering ourselves and we're not getting entangled in a way that makes us dependent on each other. So I would stay clear of anyone. It's like you, they, you have some energy work or something. And then, you know, three months later, you're still like attached into them in an uncomfortable way. That's a sign that there was some force. Um, and just being aware of that idea of like, nothing that isn't for my highest and best, nothing that isn't bringing me closer to myself, nothing that's like actively connecting me to you and then sticking after the um, conversation, after the session, like there shouldn't be any sticking after any energy work. Um, so that's what I would say on that. I mean, legitimacy, everyone, you know, everyone's as legitimate as you're open to them being really. Yeah. I was going to say that there's, um, a certain point where like you can work with anything as the mirror, you can work with anything as the clarity. So if you're open and ready for the transformation, you can go to a flim flim and, and receive the transformation because you're just like out looking for the mirror universe piece that's gonna give you what you need. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, I would say that like, in looking for someone who you're going to be in the co-creation with, like it's, it comes from heart awareness and you can tell like right away when someone feels like they're nourishing to your path. And when someone feels like, no, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think there can be a danger sometimes, especially if somebody's new on the path and they can maybe become too attached to one specific person and then they can get like kind of locked in and then, sometimes the teacher can actually be a hindrance sometimes. Mm, what, do you, yeah. what do you guys think mm. about that? It's really, it's really tough out there in magic spaces, especially I think, because so like part of um, Buddhist spaces of Dharma is cultivating your discernment. And that's like ground level rule one, cultivate discernment. Mm. Whereas in magic spaces, like ground level rule one is cultivate enchantment. An enchantment doesn't well, have to have anything to do with. Well, maybe the maybe the magic you're 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 talking about because in, in uh, <laughs> ceremonial magicians they they, they discernment is actually pretty high up there in terms of yeah that. that's that's great which is um, always nice to hear but it's like there's um, there's like a new age of digital magic where there are no rules and there's oh. a lot of like things young practitioners around. who came in with a lot of juice like they just have so much natural aptitude it's like and, i want money now where's that yeah yeah <laughs> Wait, but they come in um yeah. they come in as these gods right uh, that are veiled and they have these magical powers and then through whatever incarnative path and then they get on tiktok and now they're like manifesting whatever weird thing they're doing with and they don't recognize how that's like they're gonna create karmic path. lessons for quite some time for them yeah <laughs> yeah i've not been to america like i said like 10 years but i would imagine that 
it's kind of a maze of different paths and options and knowing which path to go down. It's like, are you going to do paganism or shamanism or ceremonial magic or mysticism or yogic yeah. philosophy or Buddhism? Or It's like there's a whole. There sure is. And there's a, another Mikey. thing that I've noticed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> another thing that I've noticed, too, is that there's sort of this like awareness gap which is where most people get into trouble right because they go from none of this is true and it's not part of my experience to like now i meditate or i have some sort of like he's real and all of a sudden every it's real and now i'm going deeper and i'm gonna and this is the place where people who don't have discernment or haven't cultivated rules or don't know how to do clearing or any of that stuff they get a lot of they get themselves in dangerous situations magically because they don't know who's okay to allow into your body and who's not. They don't know how to banish a spirit that you don't want around. They don't know that when your grandma, that if a spirit comes and says, I'm your grandma and I'm going to make you a millionaire. If you just let me live in your body, that's not your grandma. It's somebody <laughs> like lying to you. Yeah. <laughs> but, and and my name is Lucifer. Yeah. yeah. And inside, of this, inside of this, they just don't have the search terms that they need. They don't know where they're going. And usually in that exploration, people then find the next thing that they need, but there's just this trough where people get into a lot of trouble and then come out really muddy. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's all fun. It's all it's all fun. Having fun, that's yeah. the important part. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I just want people to have fun in wholesome, beautiful ways with each other, if possible. <laughs> yeah. If it's they're so, open to well, it. We are living in a playground. This is the layer. Yeah, this is the layer where we diffract into all of the weirdest ways that the universe, well, black holes are weird ways for the, the universe wants to know itself in every way possible and there are just some extreme things happening here and now as ways of us knowing each other and we accept that that is part of play even though it can seem very challenging from the ground level yeah well if you play a computer game sometimes the more challenging levels are the funnest levels right so mm -hmm. look at it look at it that way yeah, absolutely. I think everyone who's incarnate right now is an absolute warrior, right? Everyone, everyone who chose here and now is here because they find it funner to play on hard. <laughs> yeah, the universe can't throw you a challenge that you can't handle. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I don't want to be the one asking all the questions. So I mean, I, I'm happy to pass the torch. Yeah, I was just thinking about your, the thing about cults being no good and how a teacher can be a hindrance. And I'm just seeing this new model of coming into contact with reality emerging naturally among the new people that are moving into it, where they're able to discover what resonates with their own unique personal character what 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 it is for them that works and they're able to move across all of these different modalities just resonating with what works for them and eventually they're able to discover what it is that they've been resonating with which is their own unique selves and it's almost like this pathless path in a way where you're just moving with the knowing that something is good for you right now that it feels right in that very in that subtle way that you you know is is in alignment um and as you move with that subtle alignment with 
who and what you are and along your own unique path, um, you come closer into knowing who you are and recognizing that you are all of it. And, you know, the, the sort of um, twist, twist at the end is that you've always been moving along your own unique path in perfect harmony with everything else. And yeah, I'm just excited for people to uncover that in this new age of recognizing everything that's available and moving across it in a way that benefits them the most. And that includes teachers, I think, is like, you know, a teacher isn't, you don't have to go and live with a teacher for 40 years anymore. There's like a thousand teachers online. Um, and if you're able to find the ones that are connected into the recognition that they are reality itself, then you can just be with one until you get what you need and move on to the next one. And, you know, maybe you come back, but this sort of strict path, um, I feel like has opened up into a rainbow of possibility. Yeah. And all the roads lead back to you, to yourself, because you yeah. are more awesome than you think you are. Yes. Yeah. Which is actually very deep to think about because when you silence your mind, you're not thinking. And that's when you can experience your awesomeness, empty mind. Mm -hmm. If you have to think about how awesome you are, you are more awesome than that. There's no thought oh, form. Great. There's no thought form that can encapsulate your awesomeness. <laughs> that's yeah. great. I love that. Yeah. So what does it mean for someone to be awesome? It means that just as we're more than our bodies and we're more than our minds and we have these various layers to ourselves that we can go deeper and we can experience our hearts. For me, well, from my perspective, what I regard as the two most powerful primordial forces of the universe are unconditional love and absolute truth. And unconditional love, from my experience, is, is via the heart, is how you experience that most purely. I know some people might disagree with that, but that's fine. Everybody's got their own unique perspectives, but heart and the crown is where you experience the ultimate. So when you've got both of those, it's like you've got these two twin spheres of pleasure just you know, flaring off all the time, and you're like, buzzing with this you know love and bliss and it's like when you're there it's better than any drug better than any antidepressant and uh or you know and it's natural with no side effects and it doesn't yeah. end unlike a sexual orgasm which does <laughs> yeah well it's like um there's mm. a frame that i found really helpful which is just recognizing that like all of the experience is a permission slip for that exact thing which is like our natural state available to us all the time and um then of course it's like the attachment to the things that are giving us permission to have that feeling that causes the tension and the suffering and all of that stuff but like yeah it's it's so ours and anything that is like contingent on the experience is really like or or the someone is experiencing as like creating the experience is really just showing you that it's available to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and ultimately, too, um, when you get to a place where nothing can trigger you, nothing can offend you, it, I mean, that is, a, is power, is when you have that. Mm. 
because there's a lot of forces out there that are going to try to unsettle you. And that's the real challenge of life, actually, is are you going to approach each situation or react to each situation with complete equanimity of, of, of mind where it's like nothing can affect you. It's like, you can have this love in your heart. You can have this bliss. And it's like, it doesn't matter what is being dumped on you. You're going to like, Oh, that's all you got. I'm still here. I'm still shining. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Did you find that that resilience was something that was built over time or something that was immediate after your threshold crossover? Well, when it happened two years ago, my mind has not left bliss for the last two years. Um, However, having said that, my heart, you know, there has been occasions when I've I've felt... um, you know, the toxicity of others or, or, or there was an incident that happened with my former teacher that I had to overcome because I realized that where he is and where I'm at are at two different uh, places. And I wanted him to be at more elevated place. And so that uh, kind of affected my heart a bit because it's like, you know, oh, I lost my, you know, I thought he was a, you know, already there and it's like oh yeah so that's so i felt that in my heart but my bliss my my mind was still in bliss right so it's like you can have mind in bliss when in, you know, the crowns open and, and nothing can affect that but you can still feel emotions you know through the heart and you know usually it's in love but this is the vulnerable pl- the more for me the more vulnerable place is the heart because when your heart is open you know yeah it's it's possible for things to still affect you if it's uh, strong enough. I mean, external force is strong enough. Yeah, it's possible, but um, I, it's getting stronger though. I, I, it, that that like I said, that was like a year ago, and every day for me, I feel stronger and stronger. So I'm not, you know, my my, my heart's not affected negatively like that these days. Mm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, partially. Um, I'm just observing as you're talking about your heart and then the vulnerability, um, just how that is in play with your energy. Um, and I'm just, I'm just staying conscious of it. So that's where I'm at right now. Oh, okay, okay. Maybe, maybe I could offer you a, a slight adjustment um, once, once it fruits into the awareness of what that is and how that you know because it's like it's a very what i sense is a very subtle um like miscalibration with how the heart is interfacing with everything else and i'm just sort of waiting for it to tell me what it wants (laughs) oh well yeah well thank you for your observation and yeah that's awesome and did you have something else you wanted to sit to ask or to say or to yeah what does it mean for the mind to be in bliss 
Well, that's a good question. And if for someone who's watching that is unfamiliar with what this whole chakra business is about, I mean, the human body, obviously you've got your physical body and you have your etheric body, which is like an invisible body that uh, people talk about with astral projection and so forth like that. And But uh, deeper than that, you've got these energy centers and one's in the heart and one's in the crown and you've got third eye and you've got throat and you've got, you know, different root chakras. Solar plexus, mm. sacral and root. Yeah. And, and they all automatically, they, they blossom over time as you do various spiritual practices. Some traditions try to say that you need to have, they need to be open in a set order. I, I don't agree with that. I think it doesn't that's never happen. been my experience i yeah. got into an argument with one time with someone who's like no it simply can't happen in the other <laughs> order and i was like i know people who that's been their experience so like, yeah yeah, I, yeah yeah mine didn't go in order either like my root was probably one of my last ones because i had so much like um i don't know just distrust around being embodied mm-hmm. um yeah yeah it seems to go kind of randomly for people where they're like, oh, all of a sudden I feel something here, you know? It's yeah. unique for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of stress, of, of, you know, in some circles about the Kundalini of needing to be awakened. And then it's the Kundalini that awakens all of the chakras. But I actually, from my personal experience, I slightly disagree with that concept because there's something called the absolute. And the absolute also is active and assertive just as much as the Kundalini can be and it can initiate itself down from the crown Mm -hmm. even if yeah i don't think necessarily the kundalini has to be there completely to 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 meet it yeah Yeah. so my experience my experience was Mm. very like um my heart chakra opened first because i was learning to speak with plants and then it was my third eye and then the other ones came online and then i had a kundalini experience but i also had like the most gentle kundalini awakening where it was just like this beautiful spiral and then like crystal rainbow orgasm for like an hour it was um, like pouring out of my crown and it wasn't like oh I'm shaking and jittering and there's all this block it was like I had done all of the work with my body system with yoga with breath with the chakras so that it just went so easy and beautifully and that's really Mm. different than a lot of experiences that I've heard about yeah but to answer your question Sanjay I didn't forget about what is bliss So yeah, the crown, when that opens up, oh my God, that's like so amazing, euphoric. I mean, euphoria doesn't even begin to cover it. Ecstasy, bliss, it's, I mean, the word bliss is just, it sounds like such a minor word, but it's so much more intense than that word bliss. It's, it's, I mean, you can't help but be happy all the time when that's open. It's like, if, if people are happy when they're high on cocaine or high on something, whether, yeah, if you're high on this, no, there's, it's like, no, it's, you're done. You're, 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 you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and that what's, is what brings equanimity of mind, because if your mind is always happy, um, which brings me to another point because people talk about attachments like, oh, you shouldn't be attached to anything. Well, the reason why it's so easy to become attached, and this is my opinion, this is controversial, but in my opinion, it's easy to become attached because the mind's designed to be attached. 
The problem is, isn't an attachment itself. The problem is you're attaching yourself to the wrong thing. When the mind gets immersed in this bliss, it's very attached to bliss. It's, it's, it doesn't want to go anywhere else. And that, that kind of attachment is, is a good thing. And that's what brings equanimity. And that's when you can reach that place when nothing external can, you know, interfere with uh, your mood. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I would just to clarify, because I've used attachment a few times, I would say that like we could equally substitute here attachment with like grasping because it's not like, it's not fondness or preference or the thing that drives you to be connected to this thing. Right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's, it's perfectly it's, natural and the full expression. Well, I mean, attachment's got such a, a, a bad word. And that's why I have this, I say controversial things like selfish. It's good to be selfish. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. like if yourself is the big S and you regard the divinity in everyone as, as part of you and you're putting the divinity in everybody else first, some people would say that's selfless, but I would say it's selfish because mm. it's it's not becoming less of yourself. It's becoming more yeah. of yourself. Yeah. And that's one of the things I've noticed about like um, having realization is that there's this sort of myth out there that people become less themselves because they recognize their oneness with everything. And that's just sort of like a blank template or something and it's not like that at all it's you're so much freer to be yourself because you don't have all of the stickiness that was keeping you from being in that state from being in your own sovereignty from expressing who and what you are like all of the fear melts away all the hesitancy all of the things that like the conditionings that were holding you in place and on that and there's just more you there's just more you as a capital y but it's just more you. <laughs> yeah. And you guys are awesome. Yeah. What about you, Ananda? Do you have any, do you have any question for me or do you have anything you, you want to, you want to say? Mm -hmm. You choose anything. You've got the power. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you have any practice right now? And if so, what does it look like? That's a great question. And I would say that when I wake up in the morning, I'm already in bliss. When I dream, I'm in bliss. When I go to bed at night, I'm, I'm in, it's like I'm, it never leaves. So it's like, I don't feel like I have to do a practice. Um, it's kind of like a walking, talking meditative, meditative state. It's like right yeah, now absolutely. talking to you, it, I'm in a meditation. This whole thing is a, meditation for me it's like nothing i can do i could be watching a movie see that's the thing though that might be kind of hard to, for some people to relate to but like if i watch a scary movie i'm always in bliss <laughs> yeah like, we've been having that experience where there's like there's sort of uh, a new age philosophy where like certain things shouldn't touch your experience because they might be like debased or dark or whatever. Like, but like we've been enjoying David Lynch movies, like a, a lot of stuff that has like real meat to it that could be unsettling. But like you said, it's not like you don't expect when I used to watch David Lynch, I would have a lot of experience of anxiety because he's like a transcendentalist transmuting the world shadow. Right. 
And now I watch it and I'm in his dream version of the mystery, still experiencing this harmonious bliss instead of like Mm -hmm. it arising as anxiety in my body. (laughs) Yeah. And that's beautiful. But it's like people like watch movies. It's like, oh, I want to feel scared. Let's watch this movie. But it's like, I can't feel scared anymore, though. It's like I can't (laughs) even if I want to, I can't feel scared. Mm -hmm. So. So it's, it's like adjusting to these things, right? These, yeah. but it's all, it's all good. But, but uh, what was your original question again? I totally. Oh, just what your practice was. And oh, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to have one. Yeah. We found that we get guided to have a practice sort of like for a specific thing, like coming into harmony of each other's energies. And then mm. it falls away because we've stabilized into that. And then it's like, we're, we're just in the meditation of being. Well, I'll add to that, though, because there are things I can say about practice, because if I ever find myself in a place where I'm more unbalanced, then, yeah, I I can, you know, recenter myself. And there's certain things that that I would do, for example, maybe close my eyes, focus my mind to a pinpoint, um, focus on the corners of the breath, which is between the inhale and the exhale, like a a brief pause in each of those places. And that in, in each pause, like after, after you inhale and then you break before exhale, it's like each pause between the breaths is like ecstasy. It's like, it's like, and also this gesture here, this gesture, this gesture, mudra, um, mm. which means completion. So when you do this as a yogi, you're being stubborn. I am complete. There's, I am whole. And even if you don't feel complete and you don't feel whole by doing this, you're saying, well, even if I don't feel whole, I know I am whole. It's true. It's yeah, all an that's, illusion. That's a beautiful mudra. Very nice. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I would say those, those three things are important and sitting in a straight posture so that the energy mm-hmm. flows. And if you're doing a meditative, you know, a meditation to, to make it easier for the energy, you know, to, to flow up. But I don't think it's a requirement to do this. I think yoga is great. I don't think you need to, though, have to do full Lotus or something. And I didn't I wasn't doing full Lotus when I had my intense experience. So it's like, yeah. And I don't I don't follow any strict vows like there's no rules that I've been dictated to where it's like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. It's from what I understand, I can do anything I want with uh, naturally you don't want to do things to harm other people because, because you recognize that, well, you're harming yourself if you do that. So like, why would I, why would I want to hurt myself? It's like, oh, I'm not a masochist. (laughs) So (laughs) I want to treat all the me kindly and gently. Thank you. Yeah. 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 So, so rules about what diet you need to eat, you know, you don't, I, I, I don't say, feel like I have to tell people, Oh, you must be a vegetarian or you must be a vegan or you must be celibate or you must do this or you must get married and or whatever. You're not allowed to wear yeah. condoms. It's like, no, I don't, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, no rules. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. This um, energy thing has fruited into something that I can do for you if you want, Atma. Okay. 
Oh, you want to, you want to do it on camera? Okay. Yeah, we'll just do it real quick while it's available, you know. It's almost just like elongating the energetic spine so that it's distributed across and balanced. Um, so that like each pocket of the spine is even in what's occurring inside of it. And I see like the relationship with your teacher, like he had an uneven spine and you kind of picked it up. So I'm just like evening it out. And that's that's done now. Oh well, thank you. Thank you. I almost okay. said shisha because in China that means thank you in Chinese. Oh, it's nice. like a reflex. I like that. Yeah, yeah. But what 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 time is it over there for you guys right now? Eleven thirty-seven. Oh We're my about gosh! To enter into noon. Yeah, this is this has been about gosh like ninety minutes or something, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, time right. time goes by fast. Yeah. Yeah, and thank you so much, Emma, for this opportunity to mm, enter into the public space in this beautiful container. Well, yeah, I'm sure my millions of subscribers are going to be thrilled. <laughs> all, all 83 of them, or however many they are. <laughs> but it's only the beginning stages great. right now. Yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna definitely be expanding. It's it's great actually. It's great to be small. It's it's like I take the opposite view, right? Many people be like, I want to be this big YouTuber. I'm not gonna be happy unless I got millions of subscribers. I mean, it's like I know I'm gonna have millions of subscribers. I'm happy to be small now because I'm I've got more free time to like, you know, chill and <laughs> yeah. Well, you can find you can find your feet without a bunch of eyes on you, and then also like there's the added benefit of knowing like because of your radiance, the people who are watching you right now are the exact perfect people. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's all by design. It's, it's about reaching the right people in the, in the, in the beginning, because I think it's going to remember like the Knights Templar and there's like Illuminati and there's these different organizations Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not looking to build an organization like that. Um, however, who knows, maybe it's going to become kind of some sort of network or house that is big enough that and doesn't and not confining, right? So that people can be themselves, but there's like an alliance where it's like, okay, we are we are people that acknowledge that the absolute is good. Right. And that it's good yeah. to love all the time. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. love and truth. Number one. All right. That's our group. That's fine. <laughs> we don't need to have all these yeah. formal things. I feel like um, everything is already in the perfect group in that like the universe is a group and it's the people that are able to recognize that we are, one with everything that are able to fall into the natural emergent groups, like Ananda said, that um, respect everyone exactly as they are. Yeah, definitely. Namaste. I love that. Namaste. The divine yeah. in me acknowledges the divine in you. That's mm. wouldn't it be great Namaste. if everybody could see each other that way. That mm. would be awesome. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. Inevitable. You are right. 
Great. Well, it's, it's great connecting with you guys. You have a fantastic day over there and enjoy your trip to to Taos. Yeah. Have a great night. Have a great great sleep. Bye. All right. Bye. 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 Thank you.